Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, fellas, fellas. Yeah, that's right. You look the right thumbnail. You read the right title. Yalf. Yalf is back right now for me, at least for this week. And I'm hoping to be able to cover it each Tuesday morning, get these types of videos out our preview. We've been doing the projections. We've been playing the Yalf in the DFS space. We've been watching the Yalf all weekend long. And we've been doing the projections, rankings, all that stuff. I have them already done right now. They'll be up on Patreon basically right after I'm done recording this video. But when the NFL came back, we took a little bit of a hiatus from golf and we're returning right now because look, I honestly miss covering golf. I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy playing golf. I enjoy watching golf. I enjoy a lot of pieces of golf. So not covering it. It felt like a different piece of me was missing. So we're going to scrap the Thursday live stream in the afternoon that we do. And we're going to add in this one on Tuesday so I don't get too burnt out. We're just swapping out some content. And we're going to go over the golf plays in each price range right now on DraftKings, SuperDraft as well. They're going to be the sponsor of the show. Their multipliers usually come out later in the week. So those will be updated on the projections over on Patreon. You know what we do here. We're going to start in the 10, 9, and 8K range. Then we're going to go into the 7 and the 6K range. We'll do a little bit of a course preview to start this bad boy off because they're playing at a course that we haven't seen in basically a decade right now. So if you're talking about key stats wise, I mean, the highlight of this course is that this tournament is supposed to be played in Japan. They're not going there. So they're going to be taking a one year hiatus because of all the COVID stuff going on. And basically now what you're getting is just a very short course. Uh, they might be changing the size is what I'm reading in some spots, but it's like just 7,000 yards and it's not a par 70 or 71. It's actually a par 72. Again, they might be changing up some of these things, but you're getting a short course with like a field size of about 87 players right now. So it's going to be a small, no cut event type of a field. That's things there. You see Xander thriving in like he just had one this past week with a nice finish. And that's why he's the most expensive player. Now he's been playing really well in general, and he usually tends to play well in these types of events. So in terms of key stats, what you're looking for in these ones, what we've been seeing lately is just these players that don't have to be bombers winning on short courses, because obviously the skill set of having to play in a 73, 7,400 yards par 72 does not become as important when it's a 7,000 yard par 72, because you know, you don't just got to hit it as far, right? Your, your, your driver and your approach shot after that doesn't matter as much. You're not getting a, a 50 to 80 yard advantage on some players in the field. So what you're going to be getting is really just iron play, right? If the driver's not going to matter as much, you do need to be accurate in terms of hitting fairways, because at least what we saw a decade ago here, and some people who have at least been covering golf and how I played at this course say that it is really difficult at the way that they're going to be growing out the rough usually, and they tend to, especially for event style play and tournament style play. So what you're going to be getting is just looking for players who are accurate. I mean, like when I think about this course, I don't know, in my projections, it does look like a decent projection right now. And we'll talk about these players, but like a guy like Brendan Todd just screams out, right? A guy who's going to hit the fairways, a guy who's not that long off the tee, but he can hit the fairways, he can pick up some birdies and he can get hot with the putter, right? That's what you want in this one. Hit the fairways, your second shot on your approach, whatever it might be, looks pretty good as well. Maybe your wedge play as well. Like if you're in that 100 to 150 range, instead of an approach play, you're going to take out your wedge instead of a six or a nine iron and you go from there, but we'll break that all down. So that's kind of the, the very high level preview of the, I believe Sherwood country club that they're going to be playing at. Again, this event's supposed to be in Japan, the Zozo where Tiger Woods actually won last year. And he's actually going to be entering into the field at $9,000 on DraftKings in this one. I think he looks at least pretty decent. If you're looking at the tournament history, yeah, it was just the Zozo championship first time last year. So you're going to see Rory finish with a top three. You're going to see Hideki's back in this field. He finished second last year. So a couple of guys coming right back to finish with top five, top 10, Xander, top 10 last year in this event. So small field event, we're going to be breaking it down starting right now. And before we do, if, if you're brand new to finding my content, let me know in the comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, you can at me on Twitter at DFS or Instagram at Salvetri. I'm curious to see how much new reach we're going to be getting on these golf videos, especially with the masters coming up, but hit the like button for me. We hit through 30,500 subscribers. Big old subscribe button pops up if you can tap that bad boy in the podcast version, please do. 
Leave a five-star rate and review. It takes 30 seconds of your time and you get entered into a chance to win a $50 Ruski giveaway. The video is going to be sponsored by Superdraft, a multiplier format, not salary cap based, different style of DFS where there's not anywhere near as many pros. Your best chances of winning return on investment on these multiplier formats. You will just be multiplying the player's overall points based on what their specific multiplier is. Now, normally the better the golfer that you are, the lower your multiplier. You don't get as much bonus points because you just have a better skill. Promo code SAL, S-A-L, will get you a 50% deposit match up to $1,000 Ruskies. And if you are one of the 450 or so paid Patrons, and if you want to sign up, information on that below. You'll have the projections and ranks not only for DraftKings, but also for SuperDraft linked down below in the description. So what do you say we start this bad boy off right now? And as you can see, these are just like early thoughts, right? It's Tuesday morning. I guess not super early. We've done a lot of research. I have projections, rankings. I looked into a lot of stuff. I'm actually going to have a no on Xander to start this thing up at the top. And now I'm trying to cater my content towards, at least for these videos, right? I'm trying to cater it towards not people who are going to play 150 lineups. And if you do, whatever I say is going to help you out a little bit. Like if I have a no on Xander, probably doesn't mean I'm getting zero percent of Xander from playing 150 lineups, but it might mean that I'm getting a lot less than him than I'm getting of the other guys in that range or just generally speaking. So I might have like 5% lineups with Xander in my 150s if you were to see what I was playing, but I'm just trying to cater this towards if you're playing like one to 10 lineups, which I would say is like 90 to 95 to 99 even percent of my audience. So Xander over the last 50 rounds, I mean, he's been fantastic. And honestly, this entire year, you might be saying, ah, Xander's not winning, but he's usually right around that top 15, top 20 range with a ton of top 10s. And that's what he's been piling on as of late, right? A second at the tour championship. This is the last three times that we've seen him. A second at the Tour Championship, a fifth at the US Open, and he's gotten a second at the CJ Cup last week, which is also a no-cut event. The putter has just been absolutely hot. So, I mean, you have to have a hot putter if you're going to be finishing that highly anyways in, in majority of the events, but you're also seeing the approach play clicking. He's gained with the putter at least 6.1 strokes in three straight events, averaging close to seven strokes gained over his last three events where he's been picking up these top twos and top five finishes. T to green is always great. Everything we know, I mean, we expect Xander to be good with the putter over his last 20 rounds. He gains almost two strokes over his last 10. He gains almost three. So why do I not have that much interest in him? It's just a projection thing. Like he's going to be projecting out worse than John Rahm, worse than JT, worse than Rory for me in this price range. So if you are somebody playing one to 10 lineups, I'm not going to get there. Now as a GPP grade, I gave him a B behind the curtain on Patreon down below. I gave him a B. I gave those guys B pluses. So I'm still going to get Xander. I might get like 10% Xander and I'm starting to get like in the 20% of those other guys. So it's just more so like he could probably be titled as a maybe instead of a no in here and not that harsh because I do actually get some of him. So like you go from a no to a maybe, but whatever it might be for playing like one lineup, I probably wouldn't start with Xander. I haven't right now as a 96.5 projection. And again, the three guys after that grade out either for higher points or better value than him. And starting with one of those guys who grades out as my highest projected player right now is John Rahm. And John Rahm has also been fine, right? Like we look at John Rahm's bad performances as finishing at 23rd at a difficult, very difficult US Open track where he loses like a stroke around the green. But for the most part, he just plays pretty well everywhere else. Then he finishes 17th at the CJ Cup where he ends up losing with his putter two and a half strokes. We don't expect that to happen because he's a guy long-term last 20 rounds who gains about a, half, a stroke and a half when he putts. And then after that you're getting the win at the BMW, you're getting the win at the Memorial, top 10 finish, top five finish at the Tour Championship, No Rolling Trust, six. So you know what you're getting out of John Rahm. Everything is clicking right now. I mean, if you're looking at his last five, last 10 events, he's gaining in all categories. Right now, if I'm paying up this week, it seems like early on John Rahm would be the player that I'm going to. You can see in my notes section in column Q right now that he's probably going to come in around 20 plus percent owned. So is JT, so is Rory. Maybe they don't all hit it, right? Maybe one's 17, maybe he's one 18, but I expect them to be three of like the highest five owned players heading into this week. Xander might actually get into that as well. He's normally chalky, normally picks up like 25% ownership in a lot of tournaments. Maybe now that he's expensive, it goes down towards like 15, but I expect him to be around like the top five or six owned. 
Justin Thomas, number one in this field in T to green play, number two in approach, number two in ball striking. I mean, everything sets up for him, right? Like the thing that we know about Justin Thomas, though, and it's very similar for Rory to an extent, John Rom, but he's better than these players, at least over the last 50 rounds, is just a putter. And like, we need some sort of putting here, but we know that that can be random. So you're going to get as not great off the tee play for JT. And that's where this kind of event where it's not as important to be great off the tee as it is to be accurate. This is where you're going to start to get that to be a little bit better for him. So JT right now comes in for me as somebody that I'm going to have a good amount of interest in. He's my second highest projected player. If you're just looking at his recent finishes, a second and eighth and a 12th right now, the putter is the only thing that can give you some concern. If you look back over his last seven events, he's lost strokes in five of those last seven events. So that's a little bit of a concern, but he's actually won an event WGC, right? Even losing almost two strokes. He's finished second at the tour championship, losing over three strokes. So a lot of his other parts of his game around the green, the approach, the tee to green are just that good that it gets you there. So those two, the guys that above the $10,000 range, I'm going to get to the most Rory, we can throw Rory a bone as well. He fits into a lot of things similar to JT. JT's just been better when it comes to the approach play right now, a lot better over the last 50 rounds. He's been better when it comes to around the green play, which is what I want in terms of just some of that shorter range wedge play is probably where I'm going to be going more so with JT over Rory, but that's how I would probably rank it right now. John Rahm and JT are kind of like 1A, 1B up here, then Rory, and then I'd probably go to Xander before Hatton. So we scroll down to the nine range. You can see a little bit of the eight range. I do think that more accounts So somebody who's been struggling as of late, right? I mean, you're seeing a guy who's been missing cuts now and he's not normally used to missing cuts in two out of his last three events, but he did pick up the top 12 in the, in the smaller field of the CJ cup. He's fine at the tour championship also a week before that. So what are you getting out of more account? Well, I mean, he's just losing strokes putting right now. Lost two strokes putting, missed a cut, lost three and a half strokes putting. Uh, so that's going to be something that we're used to seeing out of Morikawa. In this field, out of like 87 golfers, he comes in ranked 56 overall in putting. So that's not great. But if you're looking at every single thing else from Morikawa, he's going to be pushing top five in all other major categories. And it seems like he's going to be a low owned pivot when you have guys like Webb Simpson who are chalky around him, all the 10K plus guys who are chalky around him, some guys in the lower 9K range that I think grade out as good value. So Morikawa looks like a lower owned pivot in this range. It's like one or two of them that I'm interested in. Morikawa would be actually one of those guys. So Morikawa is a maybe for me because of my projection and ranking doesn't seem as great for him, but I actually have him as a B in my overall model and rankings because he is going to be so low owned as opposed to the next guy who Webb Simpson, you can see I have a yes by him, but he's actually maybe going to be a less consideration for me. Now in DFS golf, the biggest thing that you want to be looking for, in my opinion, is just ownership, ownership pivots and fades. And when there's so many other guys that are good golfers in this range, I mean, we have nine guys in the 9K range, five guys in the 10K plus with Dustin Johnson withdrawing from this event and Matt Kuchar coming in. I probably should have mentioned that at the top. You're getting Webb playing as consistent as ever. And arguably Webb should be more expensive than Hatton. Arguably, you can make the case that Webb should be more expensive this week than Rory, like put him in that 10-5 range somewhere around there, because this has been his finishes as of late. A third, a sixth, a 12th, an eighth, and a 13th. And, and I mean, pretty much every single thing is clicking. At the Shriners, the last time that we saw him about two weeks ago, he gained in all major categories. The week before that, he lost some on approach, but still finished top eight at the US Open. Everything is clicking for Webb right now. And that's exactly why you're going to be seeing Webb come in with a lot of ownership. Now, arguably, he might be in some of the projection systems that I'm using and looking at the highest owned golfer this week, upwards of 25 plus percent. It makes sense because he should be probably, in my opinion, $500 to $800 more expensive. But every single piece of ownership that comes in on him makes it more and more likely that your lineup is going to be duped. It doesn't mean that your lineup is definitely going to be duped, meaning duplicated. Somebody else has that, but your chances of having a unique lineup, your lineup being the only lineup that has those types of players in it goes way down. And in a small field event where it's more difficult to find other pieces to leverage off of, I don't know how much I really want to be getting there. Now, obviously you can play web and play two or three single digit owned guys. And it doesn't really matter if you're playing him. But at that point, you're probably taking on a lot of leverage and you don't really need to in that one lineup. I'd rather just leverage off of Webb Simpson to a Colin Morikawa, who for me right now, and based on my projections, the difference is literally one fantasy point or go down to somebody like a Patrick Reed or a Tony Fina or, or Patrick Cantley, who the difference is like two fantasy points. So we're talking about like a one fantasy point difference between Colin Morikawa and Webb Simpson and that one fantasy points. And obviously it's confidence and it's people talking about Webb and, and seeing how consistent he's been compared to Morikawa missing cuts recently. 
when it comes down to it from a projection standpoint, it's a one point difference and it's probably going to make up like 15 to 20% ownership difference. So I do think Webb, I have him as a yes. I think he's fine to play if you can get different elsewhere, but I do think that this is a really nice opportunity to pivot off of, you don't even have to go to Morikawa. That's just a direct price range pivot. It could be anybody in this ninth range, or you can just stack two 10K plus guys, which seems appealing and then just build a totally different lineup than other people. And as we go down, the 9K range is definitely where I'm going to be focusing in. Patrick Reed to an extent, you know what you're getting out of Patrick Reed. If the putter is hot and some other things are clicking, you're good to go. At the Tour Championship, he did finish eighth, even though the putter wasn't there, losing over two strokes. But when he finishes decent with the putter, US Open, the last time we've seen him, it's been about a month now, but he was gaining in a very difficult spot. He's going to be a maybe for me just because we have some other guys who have actually played recently. We have some other guys who are going to actually be lower owned below him, like a Tony Finau and things like that. So I like this 9K range way more and the upper 8K range way more than anything else in that mid to lower 8K range. So we can spend some time here. Tony Finau, I think, is going to come in a little bit lower owned than he should because of Webb Simpson in this range. Patrick Reed taking up some ownership. We're getting closer to that Tiger spot where he'll probably be around 10% owned. We're not used to Finau not being owned. Now, he's been in some events where he's like one of the best golfers. That's where you're seeing like 28%, 30% ownership as of late. He was 13% at the US Open. But I do think that right now, early on, Finau's probably going to project for under 15% ownership. Last time we saw him as well was the US Open, which was about a month ago. The only reason I feel a little bit more confident getting him, well, the game for Tony Finau was fantastic before that. An eighth, a third, a fourth, a, fi- a fifth, an eighth, a 17th were like six of his finishes out of his last seven or eight events. And also, he's going to come in with low ownership. Tony Finau might not be the best model for this course in terms of a player that you want to be getting to because he doesn't putt back great. He has a better off the tee game, but his approach play is still fine. His overall strokes gain off the tee is still fine. So he's somebody that I think is just consistently there for you at 9,500. I'm probably going to make him a maybe. So I made him a maybe as we talk about this. I'm actually going to move Morikawa to a yes because I do think that he's that good of a pivot, especially the way that he sets up here with his iron play. Uh, the only issue for him is obviously the putter, which we want to look for good putting here. And that's what we're just going to hope that this is the Morikawa week where he goes even, not even gains or loses strokes, just go even for offs. Next up in this range, Patrick Canley would be my final yes. Then I have some interest in Hoblin. Matthew Wolf has been probably going to be low owned after being a very good golfer the last month, month and a half, threatening to win at multiple occasions. But at this range, I just want to stick to that mid range option. I don't want to get too much of these guys in the nine K range overall. Like if I start getting 10 to 15% to 20% of all of them, well, then my lineups are going to be just way too spread out. Patrick Canley is somebody that I'll go back to. I think he profiles out pretty decently here as well. He's somebody that's going to grade out really well everywhere, even when it comes to the short game and the putting. There's not like a glaring weakness for Patrick Cantley's game, at least right now. There's not like a glaring weakness overall for Patrick Cantley's game. Recently, I guess you can say it's been the putting, right? The putting has been kind of come and go. He lost three strokes at the CJ Cup. That was the worst thing that really happened to him there. But we saw him at the Shriners put everything together a week before that, and that's when he's gaining strokes putting. And now long-term, you're expecting over his last 20 contests, gaining almost a stroke putting. You're expecting that to happen. So the putting has been, I would say, a little bit shaky as of late losing strokes putting in five out of like his last 11 or 10 contests, which is somewhat of a concern for Patrick Cantley. But that concern is going to not make him 20% on this price range. It's going to probably make him closer to like 10% on. So that's why I'm going to have interest. Hideki, I just don't get to, right? Like I, I a, Hideki will burn me at some point. He will win a golf tournament or finish like top four at some point in a golf tournament to where you need him. But as long as he's in these price ranges, as long as he's not consistently competing up top to win, especially on Sundays, I just have no interest in playing him. Tiger's very close to a no for me. I want to watch his ownership. If it stays in the single digits, I'll be okay getting to Tiger. The main reason that you don't want to play Tiger is he's just looked bad when he's been out there as of late. We don't know what this back is going to be like in the colder weather. We don't know how he's actually performing right now. We don't have that much of a sample as he's making his return from not seeing him since the last major where he did not look good either. So honestly, like if that ownership starts to peak at double digits, like I think the last time I saw it was like six to 8%. If it stays there, I'm fine getting there for somebody who has just won these type of small field events a ton in his career. He won this one last year. So I'll have some interest there at the 9K range, but I'm going to be more interested in the guys at the upper 8K range, mainly Daniel Berg 
Berger. Harris English, I also have as a yes. I think he's just more of a consistent player, but I think Berger is going to give you a little bit more upside. Berger might come in with some ownership. I think that his recent play is going to pull some people off of him. CJ Cup, just a 28th. He was very bad with his short game, losing over three strokes between his around the green play and his putting. Then we saw him at the US Open finish 34th. So like the recent memory of over the last month of Daniel Berger, I think a lot of people, their recency bias is going to cancel out the fact that he went on a tear earlier this year, a ninth, a fifth, a fourth, a first, a third, a second, a 13th, a third, a 25th, a 15th, right? All these, all these finishes only in there having one cut, his worst finish being a 25th, his best finish obviously being winning the Charles Schwab. Berger just sets up really nicely here for a fair price point, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to see that much ownership on him. Recently, you've been seeing around like this 15% range and he has not been paying that off by any means. So I think you might start to get Berger closer to the 12% ownership. If you're just looking at him over his last 50 rounds in this field, again, like his only bad finishes have been like one bad round is really hurting his last two showings that we've seen of him because he's still finishing right now as a top 10 player and a top eight in a lot of categories for T to green for approach play his ball striking ability his short game so everything's panning out he's also a very accurate player as well when it comes to hitting fairways so I'm going to have interest right now in one Daniel Berger another thing that I'll quickly hit on for Colin Morikawa before we fully go down into the sake range is that Colin Morikawa is one of the most accurate players uh, off the tee as well right now in this in this range over his last 50 rounds he ranks third overall in accuracy so let's move down now we're going to get to the rest of the 8k range and then we'll get into the 7 and 6k range down here so you can see I like Berger and you start to get to some names that I don't know I don't have as much interest in this mid-range I think it's sort of a dead range I have some interest in all them as you can see like there's an x by them but there's not a ton that's really setting them apart from each other so Berger we talked through Harris English you're going to get another player that that profiles out as just very safe right in terms of everything that he's been doing the short game is clicking right now Harris English in this field is the number one player when it comes to around the green play if we want to focus some more on the around the green play some of the wedge play the shorter wedge play that type of stuff chipping and all that so I think Harris English is going to look pretty decent he's not the most accurate player off the tee which is where some of his concerns can come into now he's still going to be decent he's going to be probably in this field like a top uh, 15 top 20 player when it comes to that range but I think Daniel Berger at a very similar price range is where I would go there um, so maybe Harris English is going to be a maybe I just like him more than Bubba Bubba has been trending as of late Bubba's going to be somebody that a lot of people are going to have to have make some tough decisions for this week he's pretty decent when it comes to fairway accuracy top 25 in this field he's a little bit better when it comes to distance six although that's not going to matter as much it's obviously still a help for you now he's been good right 18th 16th 31st and a 7th at least from Bubba's standards these have been very good the putter has not been clicking at all if the putter clicks at all he's lost strokes putting in these last three events where he's finished 16th 31st and first but the tee to green play back-to-back events of gaining 11 overall strokes tee to green back-to-back events with the putter five straight events gaining on approach and back-to-back events gaining five and a half strokes or more on approach so everything is starting to trend upwards for Bubba, Bubba Watson it's just the putter that has to come around now so he's going to be a strongly in play maybe for me maybe probably one of the guys that I like the most in the range because then you just have guys who are struggling I mean we have Kokrak who comes off of a W right I'm probably just not going to get there even if he doesn't have ownership I don't like the way that he sets up at this course at all and then it's just a range of like a bunch of guys who look similar to me right whether it comes to ownership for Tommy Fleetwood going to be a little bit lower owned uh, whether it comes to guys like Neiman who are a decently accurate compared to everybody else in this field like top 25 accuracy player in terms of good drives a fantasy national stat he's coming off of a six at the CJ Cup in a small field event where he actually gained strokes putting and he's gained strokes putting now in three straight events one of his last five events he's gained strokes putting so I do like Neiman in this range in terms of an overall projection I just think he'll be a little bit uh, over owned or a little bit higher owned Matthew Fitzpatrick, I believe, is actually my best value play when you come into this mid-range before we get into the lower range down here. Matthew Fitzpatrick can play for me. I think the most volatile player in this range is going to be Scotty Scheffler. He scares me a little bit in terms of just how he's been playing as of late, but he could also just turn that thing into a, a positive outing very quickly. Russell Henley coming off of a very hot start. We had a three-stroke lead and he blows a three-stroke lead, but he's a guy who still looks very good in this field. Coming off of one of his best performances through three rounds, he's the number two player right now in terms of good drives getting into the fairways, which is good to see. And I mean, if you just want to talk about some of the other things that he's fantastic at, he's number four in T green he's right now the number one approach player in this field so it's hard not to like russell henley yet again he's been coming in with some ownership he might pick up more here he's 18 percent owned at the cj 
Cup where he got a lot of people what they wanted, a third place finish, a chance to win, but he did gain nine strokes putting. We're not used to this guy being that great of a putter anyways. He has picked it up as of late, right? He finished eighth at the Northern Trust, ninth at the Wyndham by gaining over three strokes in each of those events. So the putter seems to be coming around a little bit, getting somewhat of a hang of it. So if I was to pick a guy in this lower eight K range, I would put the yes on Russell Henley's name. Let's get now into the seven K range. The guy who leads it off is Adam Scott, who profiles out pretty nicely for me from a projection standpoint. I have him as a B plus, I believe right now in my rankings. If not, he's very close to that with a B as of right now. So look, yeah, B plus. So he starts off the seven K range. He's going to come in as somebody who's not that great off the tee in terms of his distance, but he's going to be somebody who's fairly accurate, definitely top half of this field, maybe top third of this field in accuracy. He's going to be pretty sound everywhere else. Tee to green, approach play, putting, ball striking. He's a guy who sets up nicely for this course. Now, if you're looking at how he's going to be owned, probably not that highly owned because he has not been putting up great performances. 22nd, 58th, 25th, and a 38th. The last time we saw him was the US Open over a month ago where he did not perform that greatly, but the putter has been coming around in three out of his last four events. So I start with Adam Scott. I like him. If you're watching on the video version, you can see some of my maybes answer Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, no interest in Phil, some in, some interest in Paul Casey. Then we start to get to a guy in Billy Horschel, who I think is going to be a little bit underpriced. Maybe he picks up ownership, but once we start getting to this range, a lot of the ownership is usually drained out from that 8K and above range. So Billy Horschel right now, he's been coming in around 5, 6, 7% owned as of late. He's been playing just consistent golf. 33rd, 30th, 38th, and a 28th over his last couple of events, gaining strokes putting in back-to-back events now. So I started Billy Horschel off with a maybe, and I just want to look at my projections to see exactly where that was coming from. So Billy Horschel, I projected for about 81 fantasy points, just relative to the other guys that are priced in that 73 to $7,800 range. Billy Horschel compared to Adam Scott being another yes. Billy Horschel is the one who stands out for me as a yes. So if you're choosing guys between 73 and 7,700 or 78, Horschel will be the one that I get to from a value standpoint, from a projection. It's not that different though, so we'll make him into a maybe. Woodland, no interest the way his game's going. Brian Harmon is a consistent player, but I don't think the ceiling is going to be there, especially with some other guys that we're about to touch on at this low 7k range that I have a little bit more interest in as I scroll down here. Cam Smith is fine. He's pretty close to a yes for me. Munoz is going to be a guy who right now I projected at this price point, especially where he is priced right now for about 80 fantasy points. So that starts to look really good when you're down here in this range at the low 7k range, because you start to project out similar to some guys that are in like the mid to upper 8k range for me. So I have some interest in Munoz. He'll probably come in around 8% owned or so, finish with another top 10 as he's been doing doing a decent amount over the past month or two right now. He has three top tens, three top nines, if you will. He has three top tens basically since the beginning of September and eighth at the BMW and eighth at the Tour Championship. He's been finishing pretty highly on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday type events. He's been up there winning some rounds. And now he just comes off of a ninth at the CJ Cup where he gained strokes in every single event. Usually at the start of this year and the last year, it's either Munoz is missing the cut completely or he's like finishing really highly. Now this year, he's still finishing highly in some of these events, but he's just not missing the cut. We haven't had a missed cut since August 9th. The PJ Championship with Munoz right now is about eight events ago. So he can't miss this cut either. He's just performing very nicely. So I like Munoz as well in that range. We get down to the bottom 7k range where we have Brendan Todd, the guy who I've kind of been profiling out as somebody who fits this course pretty nicely. And then you have Lonto Griffin at $7,000 flat. Brendan Todd is the number one player in this field in fairways gained. And then he's top 18 right now. He's 17th overall when it comes to good drives. He's going to be very good in sand save percentage scrambling. So he fits a lot of things of just staying in the fairway on this course. You're not going to get a player who's that great off the tee. You're going to get a player who honestly right now has been struggling. The putter is what you're looking for here though. So if you want a guy who's going to bounce back, he's a number two putter in this field. He's very accurate in terms of staying into the fairway so he can stay out of trouble. The issue for Brendan Todd is literally everything else that you're seeing. So putting him as a yes is maybe a little bit optimistic, especially with Lonto playing well right next to him, Munoz 
facing Cam Smith right next to him because he's been losing everywhere off the tee. That might not be as big of an issue this week. Now, he's been decent with his approach play over the past month. The putter has been very strong. I mean, he's gaining strokes basically everywhere you look outside of the Northern Trust in August. He's gained strokes everywhere dating back to June when it comes to the putter, but everything else has been shaky because of that off the tee play right now. So that's your risk. Like Brendan Todd, you can probably make a maybe at $7,000. I have him as a yes because he projects out nicely for the way I'm setting up my model for this course, especially when it comes to not waiting anywhere near as strongly off the tee and waiting a little bit more fairways gain. So he's going to be more of a risk. If you don't want to take on that risk at the exact same price point, you have Lanto Griffin there. Let's move now into the 6K range. So in the 6K range in these types of events, I do think that we still have some very good options here. So we go down to Kevin Kisner and Matt Kuchar. Kuchar being the alternative here. I think that these guys are a little bit too cheap. Now they haven't been playing, I don't know, standout golf, but they're both going to be top 15 players in fairways gain. So when it comes to just accuracy, you're not used to these guys being big bombers by any means off the tee. And they're also going to be two really good putters. So they're both very good when it comes to fairways gains. They're both top eight in this field when it comes to their putting. Everything else though has been pretty shaky. So if you want to look at Kevin Kisner, he's been losing strokes off the tee. Again, this is not going to matter for off the tee. And he has not been as great the last two events with the putter, but long-term he's gaining 1.7 strokes over his last 20 events with that putter. So his biggest struggle point has been really off the tee right now and around the green. So those are some things that you hope can turn around a little bit. You hope that the wedge play doesn't come too close to being fully around the green. So Matt Kuchar would be the next one up. So relative to these guys in this range, they're going to be yeses for me in this upper 6K range. It's going to be Kisner. It's going to be Matt Kuchar. Some interest in Benny Ann and Alexander Norn. You can see that Kuchar is probably not going to pick up much ownership. He does grade out nicely for me just because of the price point that he's out. He grades out more of a value, but he has been struggling. Like, let's not get this wrong. Over his last four events, he has not finished anything better than a 34th with two missed cuts in there. And some of those have been no cut events like the CJ last week. He almost lost strokes in every single category. So Kuchar at $6,800, he's a yes only because of the price play. I would prefer Kisner. So let's move Kuchar down to a maybe instead of a yes. Might be just a little bit aggressive for that. I do think that he'll be fine. Like if you just want to look at overall what he's doing from a scoring perspective right now, he's still 21st in this field in bogey avoidance. He's eighth in sand save and he's going to be top half of the field, especially at this price point, which is good to see. Top half of the field, especially Kevin Kisner as well when it comes to birdie or better rate. So that's why these guys in a no cut event look a little bit better for you. He has been struggling though. The recent form so above and down a little bit. We go down now to Kevin Streelman and then Mackenzie Hughes. Streelman, I have interest in, but let's talk about Mackenzie Hughes. I think he should pick up ownership, but being in this low price range, it shouldn't be anything towards like 10 or 15%. Maybe it's like 8% ownership. Maybe it's like 5%. He's coming up of being 10% owned at the CJ Cup. So maybe it is a little bit higher, but he is coming off of a 65th place finish at the CJ Cup where he lost over seven strokes on approach, lost with the putter. Look, he doesn't lose with the putter often. That was the first time that he lost with the putter since January 26th. So I think that that's going to regress back in his favor in a positive way. He grades out right now as my number one value play in my model and projections linked down below. Before that, the last time that we saw him was at the Corrales. So he finished a third place there. We didn't have any specific strokes gained data other than the fact that he gained over 12 strokes total. So he had a bad outing, right? That was his worst outing in a very long time, probably since the PGA Championship. That was probably the worst outing though in the PGA Championship was beginning of August. So he's sandwiched in a bunch of top 15s at the Northern Trust, the BMW, the Tour Championship, a third at the Corrales. So I like him here, especially at $6,500. Again, he's the number one putter in this field, number two around the green play. The concern becomes that he's not that accurate of a player by any means. He's not accurate at all. He's a good scrambler and sand save percentage player though. And at this point, you just have to take what you can get. There's a lot of positives down here. The obvious negatives is that his approach play is absolutely brutal. His ball striking is absolutely brutal. We don't need the off the tee as much. And he's not that accurate when it comes to getting into the fairways. So we just need him at this price range to kind of hit some of those putts that he's used to hitting, right? If you get an eagle or two out of him or a bunch of a birdie streak or two out of him during this four-day no-cut event, it's going to be very good for him. You don't need him to have that much placement points when it comes down to the fact that he's just one of the most elite scorers in his price range. We'll finish it up with below $6,500. Before we get into this, please do hit a like button. Hit a big old subscribe button for me. You can check out my Patreon link below, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore projections and rankings for this. A ton of information for the NFL. Hopeful, hopeful, fingers crossed to be having ownership by and probably the next event for golf and hopefully by this week for the NFL. You can check all that stuff out linked down below on Patreon. You can check it all out 
projections, rankings, and more. So in this range, just some guys who stand out as maybe having some opportunities, depending on if they get, can get a putter going. Guys who have been playing decent overall right now, right? You have guys like Danny Lee, who's been at least a little bit better than some of the guys in this range. Approach plays top half in the field. Off the tee play is not going to matter as much here, though, which is going to probably be his biggest strength over his last 50 rounds of golf. You have Mark Hubbard down here, who's going to be very good when it comes to, for his price point, putting when it comes to approach play. Going to be decent when it comes to fairway accuracy. But the guy that I want to dial in on a little bit is a guy who seems a little bit too cheap for this range is Dylan Fratelli. So Fratelli right now, for his price range of 6,300, he's at is a very good value for me. He's going to be top 30 right now when it comes to fairway accuracy at 27th in good drives and 33rd in fairways gain. Now, if we touch on him and just see what he's doing as of late, he's coming off of a 69th place finish where he kind of blew up towards the end of it. He lost strokes every single place you can possibly imagine. His putter has been very bad as of late. So this is the concern. We need for one of his decent putting rounds and a decent putting round for Fratelli is going to be literally just gain us like zero strokes, right? Don't lose a bunch of strokes. He hasn't gained strokes since uh, August 16th at the Wyndham where he actually ended up finishing top 20, 20th overall, and he was gaining a couple of strokes in back-to-back weeks in that range. He hasn't gained strokes since the middle of August, which is going to be a concern for you. So this is what you're getting at $6,300 tag, right? I'm going to tell you guys who at least look decent from a hitting fairway standpoint from a range that he's 31st in tee to green play, which is the best in this price range. Right now he's 24th off the tee, 11th around the green, 43rd ball striking. So a lot of his stuff checks out. He can actually get you there. The issue then becomes, can he actually get you any type of thing going with your, your putter? And let's look at what he's doing in terms of just birdie or better. He's finishing right now 46th in birdie or better, 39 in bogey avoidance. And that's going to be pretty decent when your price is one of the bottom 15 players in the field. So Fratelli will be the guy, if you're looking for a guy below $6,500 that I like, it'll be Dylan Fratelli. It'll be Carlos Ortiz sprinkling some other guys in this range like Hubbard. If you wanted to go to one minimum price guy, you can go all the way down to Rikuya, I believe it's pronounced. That's the only guy that I'm going to be getting in this minimum price range. The price tag, I mean, it's nothing that stands out crazy. It's just my best overall projected and value play out of all the guys that are $6,000 flat. He's going to look pretty decent, but the issue is we don't have much of a sample size on him. We don't have any type of tracked strokes since January 12th, where he was pretty good, 45th at the Sony relative to the price tag, right? In five strokes overall, but then we don't have anything since about a year ago before that. So a very small sample size of what you're working with there. But if you're going to $6,000, anybody I'd go there. I don't think you have to do that though. Thank you so much for tuning into this video. The return of Gyalf is what we're having right here. Check out all the stuff in the description below. If you can hit the like and subscribe before you leave, that would be greatly appreciated. And let me know what you think of these videos. I'm going to try and get them in. Hopefully I was hoping to record this on Monday, but the salaries didn't come out until like 4 PM. So I couldn't do that. Hopefully in the future, the salaries come out at like 11 like they normally do so I can get these videos scheduled so I can go on with the rest of my week and be sure to actually continue to get these videos out because it has to be very fit into my schedule for this to work so appreciate it hope you enjoyed the return of the gal we're getting the start on Thursday per usual I'm excited very excited to play in some of these contests thank you so much for tuning in like and subscribe before you go check out patreon for more exclusive content and tools the more informed you are the more informed you are with data and also information through the patreon the better chance you have at winning thank you so much and I'll see you in the next one